This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hi, amigos. Welcome to the Hell Latino podcast. I'm Odalis Jasmine, and I can't wait for y'all to hear from Roxana Sarmiento. She's a Colombian Dominican entrepreneur, storyteller, writer, and partner of We All Grow Latina Network. At We All Grow Latina, she leads teams that created campaigns and activations for global brands like Dove, QuickBooks, Disney, etc. But her passion is helping women Latinas be free and creative. In our conversation, Roxana talks about her bicultural American identity and her life growing up in Santo Domingo and Miami. And we talk about how entrepreneurship is so ingrained in our Latinidad and immigrant culture. Connect with Roxana on IG and Twitter at HelloRoxar and find her on LinkedIn. I'm so excited for this. Um, I I want to start, I know there's a lot that we want to talk about, but I want to start mm-hmm. with asking you how you identify and why. Hi, Adalis. First of all, thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm Roxana Sarmiento and I identify as a first generation Latina because that's what I am. But I do joke, <laughs> actually, I do joke uh, about it because um, I sometimes I call myself Colombinicana because I'm Dominican and Colombian and, um, and also very American. It's a, it's a mix, but yes, first generation <laughs> Latina to keep it simple. First generation Latina. And so let's talk about that. Let's talk about your, your Dominican and Colombian roots. So mm-hmm. one of my favorite things about this podcast is hearing people's journey before like before where they are right now, mm-hmm. right? So talk about either you or your your parents' immigration story, where you grew up to kind of where you are now. Okay. Okay. I'll try to keep it short, but I, um, you don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's, it's, it's complicated. Like many of our stories, but, um, my father, mm-hmm. uh, is, was, he passed away already, but he was from Bogota, but he emigrated to the United States when he was a, a child. And mm-hmm. he, um, so that's why I'm also American. It's kind of hard. Like I'm my first generation, but I consider myself first generation or actually immigrant depends on the day because my father actually <laughs> grew up in, in New York, in the Bronx. And then he moved to the Dominican Republic. He used to go there to work in the summers mm-hmm. and because he had family there, uh, because people forget that, um, Latinos don't just immigrate to the U.S. They also immigrate to yes. other Latin American countries. So I have a lot mm-hmm. of immigrant family in the DR from Colombia. But anyways, um, so he would go visit his family that had immigrated to the Dominican Republic, to Santo Domingo specifically. And that's where he met his mother, my mother, and uh, who's Dominican. And um, they got married um, in Santo Domingo at the, at the cathedral, very beautiful. And then they, they moved to New York and it was very cold <laughs> and very much the Bronx. And my mother said, I am not having kids here. 
I am not, I am not living this. This is not for me. So mm-hmm. she moved back to the DR and my dad obviously followed her there. And then they had their family and <laughs> I'm the oldest out of, of three kids. And, um, because of this convoluted story, I was always an American citizen, but I had no idea. Mm-hmm. I grew up in the Dominican Republic and I lived there until I started high school. And then my parents decided to move to the U.S. Kind of. They moved to Miami, but, you know, kind of the U.S. <laughs> um, and they moved to Miami and uh, they told us, OK, we're moving to America. Of course, I knew what the U.S. was and it was really exciting. and We were excited to go. How old were you? At and they're like, point? I was 12. Mm. Okay. So I found out we were going to move right before eighth grade. So my entire eighth grade year, I knew we were going to move to the U.S. for high school. And I would watch on television and cable TV, like what it was like to go to an American high school. And I mentally was ready um, <laughs> for that. Of course, it was nothing like it was on TV, but we all know this. But mm-hmm. I, I had this idea in my head and uh, and I had read Sweet Valley High and all that. This was in the late 80s. So yeah, it's a while back. Um, so anyway, so so um, then we moved to the U.S. Uh, to Miami, and and it was a really easy transition. Actually, I think Miami was just the perfect place because um, even though I was an immigrant, I had literally never left the Dominican Republic. So it was my first time leaving, or uh, my first time on a plane. Um, we had no reason to leave, really until then, um, it, it really was an easy transition for us. Um, and it worked out, you know, very well. And so I, I'm first generation, I call myself because I was always in that bridge generation. My parents were already immigrants. Um, to me, immigrant doesn't only mean, you know, from into the U S you know, we, we just immigrants from all over the place. Um, and uh, I already had that immigrant mindset from my father, even though I myself immigrated to 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 the U.S. with him. So technically, I am an immigrant too. But I already, I don't know. It, it was just it was just a different ground under me. Yeah. But my I family unit was was my, I guess, my world or my nationality. So mm-hmm. you know, I already felt like I took that with me. So there you go. Yeah. And how was it? So your dad um, immigrated to Dominican Republic and he's mm-hmm. Colombiano, right? So how was mm-hmm. that experience, you know, for someone who doesn't know what it's like to be an immigrant in another country? Was mm-hmm. that experience different for him or do you know anything about that? Or how was it to be biracial um, or bicultural in Dominican Republic? You know, it was, there's a lot of diversity in the Dominican Republic. I mean, I don't have, I can ask you, you're from Honduras, you said, right? And, and I, you know, I don't know your story yet and, and whether you've gone back or you were born here, you know, I'm, I'd love to learn more, but um, there's a lot of diversity in our countries, especially when you live there, right? And, and you, people are, there's just so many diversity of experience and backgrounds and all that. So I was surrounded by people that were also immigrants or people that had been there forever and they all looked a different way, but there, there were things, for example, um, my, my father and my aunts from my father's side, they, they spoke a little differently, you know, they, they, they used to stay, which people just don't do in the Caribbean that much. And I thought it was very charming and sweet. And my mother, who's Dominican, tried to get us to ask for la bendición, which is what my dad's side always has. 
And we just, we did it like three times and we're like, we just can't do this. I mean, no one talks like this. Of course they do in Colombia, but in, in Santo Domingo, they didn't. Um, so we, we always um, had a sense for that, you know, that he had to leave something behind. He'd also tell us about the U.S. and, you know, growing up in New York and, you know, um, and, and being in New York in the 50s and all that, you know, it's very West Side Story. <laughs> yeah, it sounded like. I'm literally imagining uh, the movie right now. <laughs> there's some photos of him that are really cool, you know, like, and, and it was, oh. it was, you know, um, that's what I, in my head, that's how I imagined it. But anyways, um, because of his experience there, I had a taste for what it's like to um, hold on to certain parts of, of where you come from and trying the frustration of trying to share that with your children, me being the frustration, right? Like we just didn't really, when will we ever, I remember telling my dad, when will I ever need English? Cause he insisted that we go to a bilingual school and always, um, you know, all of our schooling was in, was bilingual. I thought it was ridiculous when I was a little kid. It was double the work. Why? And I'm like, why, when will I ever need English? And of course he knew because he, he, he just knew we would maybe someday move back. And uh, thank God he did. Um, I, I got that taste from him and from his family. And then of course, when we all emigrated and moved to, to the United States, um, I didn't really have that culture shock of seeing my parents out of their element because I already had seen one of my parents out of his element. Mm -hmm. And then I married, um, my husband is, is an immigrant from Europe. Um, so, um, one of the things we have in common is that, that we just know that, um, your family unit is what you take with you everywhere. Um, really that's a, a running theme of my life. And, your culture is very important um, and understanding each other's uh, different cultures. Cause that's another story. He's, he's um, his father was in the, in the foreign service for his country. Um, and so he actually grew up all over Latin America too, even though he's from a, you know, he's not from a, he's not from Spain. He's from another European country. Um, so he totally speaks Spanish and, and other languages, but also grew up in different places and representing his cult, literally representing his culture all over the world. And so we just come from that mindset. To me, it's very normal. And it's it's one of the gifts that um, our life has given us. And it's one of the gifts that I'm hoping to pass on to my children. Um, and uh, I'm very fortunate. And I realized this because um, it, it is... It is a superpower for any immigrant and we all know it, but it, it, it obviously we all have different experiences and it's a lot harder. You know, not everybody has the same experience that I have and that's 100% true. Um, but I do, I do feel very passionately that no matter what our immigration story is or our immigration experience or immigration family history, it's not the same for all my family. Don't get me wrong. It's not, I have six dias. And they, they all have extremely different Im immigration experiences, if at all. Some of them can't even leave. So don't, you know, don't, you know, families are complicated. And I'm not blind to, to the privilege that I happen to have because immigration has been some seat so seamless for us. But even for those members of my family and friends that have had really difficult experiences, we, I consider us very fortunate 
and we know what it's like to not be 100% accepted. I'm still not 100% accepted. I'm not 100% accepted by my friends that aren't Latino. I mean, they are my friends. They love me, of course, but I always an other. Um, I'm not 100% accepted by people that don't know me that maybe are Dominican. They're like, you don't know what it's like to be Dominican. I'm like, well, growing up and living there my entire childhood, if that doesn't count, I'm not sure what does, but sure. Or, or you know, all different sorts of Latinos. But as immigrants, we we know that it's it's what happens and we know what's worth inside of us. So, yes, I love that. And I mean, to be honest, I think one thing that I've seen as a trend with a lot of immigrants or first generation mm-hmm. is they've struggled with identity because yeah. whether it's they're immigrants in Latin America or they're immigrants that come here, they're just like, what am I? You know, they're just trying mm-hmm. to figure out like where they come from. One thing that I always say that I've heard so much is like, me that guinea that yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we just, we, we just naturally figure out what our identity is. And that's why I love starting these podcasts with that question, because our identities are so complex to our own experiences and nothing that does not look the same, right? Across the board. Absolutely. And you know what? Um, like you said, I love that you said that, that our identities are so complex. They are. Mm-hmm. And that's, we, we shouldn't try to simplify them, right? Mm-hmm. I, I don't. I don't feel the need to, that's why I joke and I'm like, Lord, do you have enough time to to hear my whole story? (laughs) I mean, really? This is the whole point. We want to hear your story. (laughs) Everybody has a complex story. And um, even people that aren't immigrants have a complex story. And, And I feel like sometimes we err on the side of simplifying things. And it's very human to fit in. I mean, this is why we all grow Latina exists. This is why um, it's very human and normal to want to be part of a group. Um, but let's face it, Latina is a very, very, very broad category and also very specific. And it's one that I love. You know, I, I definitely identify as part of this group, but that doesn't discount that that encompasses a lot of a lot of different experiences in a lot of different dimensions. Um, you know, it's, it's not just your immigration status. It's not just what country you're from. Mm-hmm. It's not even what language you speak. Um, I, so I, it's, it's hard to explain. Yeah. It's so yeah. it's a lot of different complexities. It's like you're kind of unwrapped. And I feel like your identity kind of, you, you start to realize what it is over time, right? Mm-hmm. Like you start to figure out more and more of yourself. You're unraveling all these layers that you kind of put on top of yourself and you stop trying to fit into a box. And like you said, instead of trying to simplify it and fit into a category, you're like, you know what? This is who I am. (laughs) This is my identity. This is my experience. And, you know, before others define who you are, you start to really define who you are. You know what you made me think of? Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm going to start using this now. Um, You made me think of it like your identity is a gift and Mm -hmm. there's a lot of layers to it. And instead of thinking, oh my gosh, what am I? Where do I fit in? I don't, I'm not part of this group or that group. I think our life's mission is to, part of our life mission is to unravel this gift, right? And, mm-hmm. and figure it out and enjoy every different layer of it. The yeah. good and the bad. We all have it. Bad. Yeah. I love that. I'm going to use that too. <laughs> <laughs> a 
okay, no, we, we co- wanna... co-created this. <laughs> yeah, we co-created that. We co-created that. But talking about, you mentioned We All Grow Latina. And yeah. so I want to kind of transition into that. So we know a little bit about your story and where you come from and, you know, your identity. Mm-hmm. And now talking about what you do now. So talk about that journey from, you know, you moving to the U.S. and living in Miami to where you are now. Oh, okay. Well, that's a long, the professional journey is long. So long story short, I, um, I actually never, this is a theme in my life. I never, I never focus on one thing. So for example, and when I went to college, I ended up long story, but ended up with three majors, English literature, Spanish literature, and psychology. Um, I just went with what I enjoyed. To me, they all, it makes perfect sense that all three of those were my majors. I, I, I love reading and writing. I wanted to, I love stories. I wanted to understand um, myself and the world through stories. And of course, psychology ties it all together. I wanted to see how it all kind of works together. And uh, what do you do when you graduate with that degree? I don't know. I was in Spain. I took my, <laughs> I, I went to Spain for my last semester and like, missed graduation. <laughs> it was a choice I made because I didn't get the, the, the guts to apply for a study abroad program until my last semester because I'm Latina and I waited till the last minute, I guess. And so I chose to go and I went. So I missed graduation um, in my, my university. And uh, when I came back, of course, everyone was already doing their thing right? They were gone doing their thing. Um, I miss all the recruiting and I was so young. I didn't even really worry about it. So what do you do with that degree? Well, um, I, I, I signed up with a temp agency and my first job, you know, the person was like, what kind of creature are you? Right. The lady <laughs> that was giving me like my typing test, I could not type. And I'm like, yeah, well, I'll figure it out. You know, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'll figure it out. And she said, I'm going to send you to a staffing agency. And I went and they interviewed me and sent me to work for um, a large multinational French cosmetics company. And uh, I, I, I literally showed up for my interview. They, they wouldn't tell me who it is. I showed up. Of course, when they opened the doors, it's like, um, like the Devil Wars Prada, you know, all the, <laughs> the big, um, everyone looks really chic and all the big, you know, advertisements on the wall. And obviously I knew the name of the company when I walked in the door, I'm like, Oh, I'm sorry. This is in Miami or is this in Miami? Yes. Because it was, it was, it was the international, um, luxury goods division. So it was the cosmetics that you can buy at the airport, the really expensive ones, but it's, you know, this, this French company. So anyway, so they interviewed me and the lady literally was like, "I, I don't know what to do with you. Um, and I go, well, I, she's like, do you speak French? I go, no, well, kind of, I was my foreign language. I'm super bilingual, fully bilingual in English and Espanol fully, mm-hmm. but French was my foreign language. And they like, she tested me and I was horrible. She's like, okay, well that can be fixed. And she said that what can't be fixed is that the only positions I have are a secretary position, an assistant, and you are a little bit too qualified to be an assistant. I, I was, and I'm like, no, I'm not. I've never, I'm, I'm just, I just graduated. I'm happy to be an assistant yeah. and learn. And so they hired me and I was an assistant for six months. And then I got promoted to marketing. I didn't really know anything about marketing until I actually started working in a company where marketing is the heart of it. And, uh, and I learned that 
Um. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. My bilingualism, my, you know, having lived in so many countries in Latin, in, in Latin America, speaking Spanish, the you know, willingness to be a fool and learn French. So I would, they gave me a French tutor during my lunch hour. Mm-hmm. And like, are you willing to take French lessons during your lunch hour? We'll pay for it, but you have to give up. You know, it has to be during work hours. And I'm not stupid. I'm like, yeah, I'll take French lessons, of course. (laughs) Um, And just a willingness to learn, um, you know, got me into the marketing world. And I spent my first couple of years in, you know, marketing, luxury cosmetics um, without, you know, with a literature degree in Spanish. You know, you just never know. Um, And you can't always plan out what's going to happen. I always, I really believe that you have to go for, for what's truly you. You know, I just, I really do love literature and stories. I really do. And that's where I, I ended up. And there I learned to, to, that everything has a story, to be honest. And, and every time we would do it, I'm not, you can see me. I don't have any makeup on. Most <laughs> people that work in cosmetics don't wear makeup. And, um, really? and we used to go, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a part of it is that when the makeup artists would show up, they needed people to practice on and you're like, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> try on me. But part of, <laughs> part of it is it's, we just, you know, it's, it's not about what you're selling. It's learning what motivates people. And, um, and there I learned that, you know, whenever we would do a launch and it was like a color collection or whatever, it was always a story behind it. And, and made up or not, um, who is buying it and the story behind that. And that's where I learned to fall in love with marketing. So after a few years there, I decided that I needed to actually know how to, how to market and how to do business. So I applied to business school and I had no idea that <laughs> what happens in business school or that people like me don't go to business school. I, I, I just was like, well, I, I, I think that's what I need to do. So I applied. Um, I used my storytelling skills um, mm-hmm. to write my essay. And my essay, I remember, was about my identity as a Latina and about mm-hmm. not fitting in. And I cannot find that essay. It was a long time ago. But I remember the line, um, American, Dominican, and Colombian. Um, I don't want to choose between any of those three. Anyways, I applied to, to business schools. And I got into a very good school at the University of Virginia, Darden. And I, but I wanted to go to school in New York because mm-hmm. I was in the cosmetics industry and yeah. the, the idea was to go to New York. Yeah. Um, so I went waitlisted. I was turned down by a lot of schools. So don't get me wrong, but I was waitlisted yeah. by NYU. And, and so I was like, you don't waitlist me. They just haven't met me. <laughs> How I was you? young. <laughs> I, I was 23. Right. I'm like, they just, with like two years of work experience. Like, I don't know who I, yeah. I thought I, I didn't know who I wasn't, which is a key. Yeah. So I, I flew up to New York, um, stayed with a friend, you know, I was in the cosmetics industry. So a lot of people live there. 
Mm-hmm. And I went in, uh, requested an interview and they interviewed me. And, and sure enough, once people meet face to face, it's different. And I got accepted by the school. I got taken off the wait list. I got accepted, but they had told me to apply for a fellowship. Right. Mm-hmm. And I go, yeah, whatever. I'll apply for a fellowship. I mean, don't <laughs> make me a minority, but sure. If, if that's going to pay for it, mm-hmm. sure. Well, I got, I got uh, accepted, but I didn't get the fellowship. But I was like, okay, well done. I'm going to, you know, people don't, you don't get a fellowship for business school. Even I didn't think that. And I said, <laughs> I'll just, you know, figure out how to get to New York and pay for all this. But then I got a call from the University of Virginia and they said, oh, we want you to know that you got accepted. And they called me at work. And I was like, oh, that's great. Thank you. But I'm, I'm going to New York. I'm not yeah. going to Virginia. What am I going to do in Virginia? But thank you. That's great. <laughs> and um, I had only applied for them because when you applied for the fellowship, you had to pick two other schools to be considered for the fellowship. Mm. So um, they said, oh, you don't understand. We, you're accepted and we are paying. We're giving you a full tuition fellowship. And I said, what? Mm-hmm. And they're like, yep, full ride, full ride. And I said, oh wow. my goodness, but I'm a, I'm a, I'm a cosmetics marketing person. Like we live in New York and Miami. Like we don't mm-hmm. go to Virginia. What do you do in Virginia? <laughs> and, uh, but it, but I, I had to accept it. So I accepted. And I actually just shared this uh, story in my newsletter. Um, I got accepted. And when you get a fellowship, you have to go to these events with, you know, all the scholarship recipients and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I, I went to, to the first event and one of the trustees pulls me aside and he, you know, you have your name and they know like all the people that they're, they gave a full ride to. Yeah. It's like, Roxana, yeah. I, I remember your application. I go, Oh, thank you. You know, thanks mm-hmm. so much. I mean, there's like 10 of us, right? That's great. Yeah. Thank you. I was super shy. I didn't know what to say. <laughs> Yeah, like I was like, no, I was like, okay, thanks. What do I tell this guy, right? And he's like, yeah. I just want you to know something. I remember your application. He goes, your international business experience is super interesting, and I hope you bring it in the classroom and all that. But he says the reason you got that fellowship is because we read your essay and your story, and we knew you had to be a part of this class. We knew mm-hmm. we had to have you here. We want to hear the rest of the story. And I was blown away. And I'm like, I never thought that my story, my little immigrant story, so common, um, you know, would, would, would earn me my career. So anyways, I went to business school. And then after business school, I worked in marketing and more multinationals mm-hmm. and, uh, and typical MBA, you know, brand management, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then I stopped working and I decided that I wanted to, to, when I, when I got pregnant, I said, I don't want to work like this. Mm-hmm. I'll figure it out when I come along, just like I did for business school, just like I did for everything else. And yeah. while I, when, while I was at my, um, I quit and my company hired me back as a consultant to work mm-hmm. on special projects. So I was working as a, you know, doing consulting. And while I was waiting for things to get approved, I was surfing the web and I found blogs and back then mom blogs, this is in 2005 or 2004 were new. And I found, I found blogs. The first one I found was by a woman called Deuce, Heather Armstrong. And 
it cracked me up. And, <laughs> and when I stopped, finally stopped working, I had my baby, I started a, a mom blog and, and I kind of went from there. And funny story, a decade later, I ended up going to Thailand with Deuce. She invited me to oh my God. go to Thailand with her um, for some other random thing. And uh, the world is very small. Mm-hmm. You know, she's, she was some lady in Utah that I found while I was, you know, not knowing what I was going to do. So anyways, so in that blogging world, that's how I met Anna, who had started a company called Latina Bloggers Connect. And it was just an agency where Latina bloggers would work together. And we, we kind of knew each other from social media and she had her company and it was, it was doing great. And I was working at one point for a social media um, agency. Um, I was represented by them originally as a blogger because um, I was an original mom blogger and they represented me, but I didn't, um, it wasn't my thing to, to, to do campaigns mm-hmm. um, for brands. But my thing is creating campaigns, right? My backgrounds in marketing and stories. That is my thing. So I started working with this agency and Latina Bloggers Connect was one of our clients. And so I worked a lot with Anna. And then next thing I knew, I was I was part of We All Grow and a partner. And we have evolved from being an influencer agency to what we are now, which is more of a community um, of Latinas. and. Um, you're a member of, of our mighty network, which is called We All Grow Amigas. So we have everything from our social media accounts um, where we spread positivity and strength and, and just pride in our culture. Um, and our aim is to just really just to unite Latinas in, in our own individual power, right? And, and our culture. And then we have We All Grow Amigas, which is um, it's a free private network um, for Latinas to connect with each other. It's beautiful. It's really beautiful. Really. It's the community just powers it on its own. Um, we just, um, create the space to make that happen. Yeah. And I, I know I told you this story before, but that's, that's really what I was looking for. And I remember Mm -hmm. searching on IG, trying to look for these Instagram pages that were like representative of Latinas. I just wanted to hear more Latina stories, you know, and connect with more Latinas and, just build that community. And, you know, like, thank God that I found We All Grow Latina because I love your content, first of all. But the second thing is I found your network and so cool. Like just the people, the Aww. events, the, the community that you've all built, I can tell you put so much heart and soul into it. And it's just, it's really cool to have these resources, these people, um, and people who get you, who understand, you know, mm-hmm. and so, and I think that's the most important part to me is just creating a community of people who are so connected in ways mm-hmm. they don't realize and people who just get it. They understand. They might not understand your entire journey, but mm-hmm. they understand you at a deeper level than people would otherwise. Yes. And and really, that's, um, uh, first of all, shout out to the We All Grow team, um, mm-hmm. especially Ana Flores, who who you know, started the seed and founded it. And my partner, um, of course, Anna and Melissa uh, Bailey, but also our team, you know, works so hard and, and it's a really small team. It really is, but the community is huge. And, and honestly, the secret is just letting Latinas be themselves. Um, 
-hmm. A lot of the times we are told, whether explicitly or implicitly, Mm -hmm. what a Latina is. And Mm -hmm. you know that's not what it, you know it's not true, so it doesn't ring true. And when you just allow Latinas to be themselves and perfectly themselves, figuring Mm -hmm. things out themselves, being proud of themselves, um, no one is 100% proud of themselves all the time. Hopefully no one is 100% imperfect all the time. Um, but mm-hmm. all those different facets together, you know, and different aspects of our communities, um, people are bound to find themselves in that. And we are starving as Latinas to see ourselves mm-hmm. um, anywhere. And, and, you know, I just love, for example, when you asked me, gave me the honor of inviting me to be on your podcast. Again, thank you. Um, anywhere that we can hear women like us, not everyone has my story, but I bet you someone's listening to this and they're like, oh my God, I'm Dominican in Colombia and this is crazy. <laughs> or, oh my God, yeah. you know. Um, pride, yeah. Yeah, or, oh my goodness, I I also, I'm some literature person yeah. that, stumbled into some career and it's the best thing ever or I don't know I just graduated and I don't know what I'm gonna do and something will pop up you know you just kind of have to go with who you are um it's gonna be great and there are people that are gonna listen to this and are gonna be like what are these two talking about like what (laughs) are they talking about this they they are so They, they don't understand it. They're so out of touch or what the heck or whatever, you know, and, and you, you, all you can do is be who you are. Um, yeah. and, and not everyone is going to connect with your exact story, but in someone will, and that's what you have to focus on. And you get, and I know because be a wheel grow, I know we, we, we connect with so many different people and so many different Latinas. Um, it might, you might have someone tomorrow that, that I have no, you know, connection to her story, but other people will, right? And and that's yeah. that's just the beauty of us, you know. It's like we're we're this net of of this net of connection, and you just kind of have to take from it what you can. Yeah, there's one thing that you mentioned that I I want to expand on because it's really important. And you said we Latinas are finally seeing themselves. And, you know, growing up, <laughs> I always thought my job was to aprender a cocinar, a limpiar, mm-hmm. um, or what I saw on TV was Latinas que, you know, they were models and they like, you know, were always showing, you know, the, the body. And, and, you know, I always thought that was what Latinas were, the girls who take care of their husbands and, and, you know, know how to, you know, one thing that I don't know if your family said this, but my family was always like, oh, yeah, te puede casar. you know, if I knew how to cook something, you mm-hmm. can get married now. <laughs> it was like a thing. I was like, oh, my God. And I grew up with all my my family members being those women. And now I see it. and I'm like, oh, that's that was their choice. You know, some of them mm-hmm. love being a housewife and that's OK. But I always thought that was what a Latina woman was. And then I grew up and I went to college and I had all these other experiences in life and I started to see other options. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh my God, Latinas, women, we aren't destined for this one thing, you know, mm-hmm. like there's so many options for us. And again, going back to We All Grow Latina, that's, or We All Grow Amigas, that network, what's beautiful about it is you see so many different Latina women in different spaces. Mm-hmm. 
And I think that's the power. It's it's going back to what you said. We're finally seeing ourselves represented in in all the different ways, whether you want to be a housewife, whether you are um, an economist or whether you're a lawyer, like there's just different, we're not pigeonholed into this one thing. Um, and I just wanted to touch on that real quick because it's so important and like something that I've come to terms with. I'm like, oh my God, that's what I thought life was going to be like for me. That's what I thought was my future. It's true. And you know, um, it's important to see yourself reflected. And and on, there are certain types of Latinas that have been in the media or that, you know, we've all seen the thing. And again, it's it's fine if that's if that's the kind you are, but isn't it much better to have a lot of different mirrors to choose from? And you can you can find until you find one where you see reflected yourself. And if you don't, just put it down and look for another one. But you need to have those options. And until very recently, obviously, Real Girl Latina is not the only group or company organization doing that. But I know that by us being there, we've inspired other people to offer that. And it just it just um, amplifies um, the variety of, of mirrors that are out there for women like us um, to see themselves in. So, so yeah, it's beautiful. And, it, and the work is just starting. It's really an exciting time. It's a very tough time. There's a lot going on in the world. We don't even have to get into all that. But it's also an exciting time because we're just at the beginning of so much potential. I'm honestly just speaking for us U.S. Latinas, right? Mm -hmm. Never mind the world. Yeah, yeah. So I want to skip to our our cafecito and chisme part because I think we've touched a lot on your Latinidad, your story, your identity. But mm -hmm. for those who are listening and they keep hearing us say we all grow Latina, we all grow amigas. For those listening who don't know who we all grow is what can you tell them about what this network is, what this community is and you know what I know you are huge on entrepreneurship and creativity and we can touch on that too but just first let's talk about we all grow Latina what it is and then we can jump into entrepreneurship creativity and all those things that you're passionate about so I can talk about We All Grow Latina forever, but We All Grow Latina is an open invitation to anyone out there that um, self-identifies as Latina. So don't ask me, you know, what that means. What does it mean to you, right? Do you self-identify as Latina? Um, and we have a lot of men that are part of uh, even Amigas. Um, so do you want to be surrounded by that? Um, uh, learn from Latinas. Um, then you're welcome. And I'm using female pronouns, um, but you know, obviously it's very, I don't know how to say Latinx, Latinx and all that, but obviously it's open to everyone. But We All Grow Latina is an invitation to join a community. Um, and, you know, we have different facets. We have our Instagram account where um, we, we basically shine a light on the different um, Latina communities that are out there. Um, and We All Grow Amigas is our community where um, Latinas can connect with each other. And we serve the community by um, offering education and empowerment. And it is made for Latinas by Latinas. It's, it's, it's kind of like a lot to explain. Um, but I, I would just recommend it. Oh, thanks. I, I would recommend people to just check it out on your preferred medium. You can go to wheelgrowlatina.com and check out our website. 
on Instagram, go to We Over Latina and check out our account um, and, you know, follow the links. And if it's something that calls to you, you know, join us, join us and sign up for our newsletter. And, and uh, I promise you, um, you will find something that shines back, you know, who you are. And that's our mission, really, to just to just allow Latinas to be who they are and all their complexity. And that's all it is, you know. Yeah. You don't need our permission, Huge. but we're just there cheering you on. Yeah. And I feel that. I'm saying oh. it as someone who's a part of this uh, <laughs> this network of amigas. I feel it 100%, that love, that support. And again, like I said, I can tell that this was built with heart and soul and total authenticity, which I'm a big fan of. <laughs> so I'm happy about it. Um, so talk about creativity, entrepreneurship, because I know that's something you're really passionate about. And that's something that you, you know, specifically for Latinas, I know that's something that you want to continue doing more of. So talk a little bit about what those terms mean to you and what you hope to, to empower Latinas with. Sure. So um, speaking of our individual individuality and, and stories, as I said, I started on this path um, from a love of stories and words. And and I, I've been in the online blogging world since 2004 or five um, in that period. So I've never left it you know, even on my own. And my focus right now is, um, is on creativity and helping women, um, especially Latinas, but women in general find their creative confidence. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm big on entrepreneurship, big on business. I have the business modifieds. I literally have, you know, an MBA and the whole thing. And I've worked in big corporations and obviously I'm an, an entrepreneur. Um, but one thing that I have found, no matter where, what you do and where you go and what you work on is that you have to have confidence in your creative abilities, um, to solve problems, to imagine yourself in places where, you know, people like you, and I'm doing air quotes, don't go. Um, and, and to me, the seed of all that comes from creative confidence. And I think that women in general are not allowed to be creative uh, people and creative geniuses were encouraged to be supportive, which, I mean, for example, we all grow is all about support. Um, and we support each other and being selfless is, I guess, the biggest compliment, you know, that you can give a mujer. But um, I really want to shift the conversation to, to us learning to nurture our creative abilities, to nurture our trust in our own innate creativity. And I'm not just talking about painting or drawing or, you know, which is great. You know, um, there's nothing against it or writing. I happen to enjoy writing and I, yeah, and I, I so I can connect with you on that. <laughs> yes. And I, and I love writing and, and I, you know, do it for fun. Um, you know, creative writing and all that, but I'm not even talking about creativity as in the arts. I'm talking about creativity on a broader term. Um, and I guess the simplest way to say it is problem solving, but really trusting yourself to make connections because we all live really unique lives, which is a cliche, and but it's very true. Um, it is your job, I believe, to 
create something new out of all the different things that you experience, that you nurture, that you read, that you live, that stories that get passed down to you. Um, so that's what I work on. And that's what um, I have. A, I, I write a newsletter um, and that's what I send to to my subscribers. And um, actually this week I'm sending out a, a, a little free ebook on storytelling for entrepreneurs because um, I'm also a big believer in, in business and starting your own business and, and you know, um, being financially independent. Um, and you build that, you know, through work. I believe in hard work too. And so I'm like, a lot of people think that creativity is one thing and entrepreneurship is another. Mm. And that stories are just a cute hobby. But in a, the secret to my career has been storytelling. From getting my scholar, my fellowship to when I work at big multinationals doing um, owning brands uh, on behalf of these big multinationals, you have to understand the story behind the brand. In order to get people to buy things, um, whether you're an employee of a big company or it's your own business or it's your own brand, um, you have to be able to tell a story and you have to understand why people love stories. So anyways, it's mm -hmm. a big topic, but I, one that I've gotten a lot of questions on lately. So I'm giving away that, um, that uh, ebook and I sent you the link, um, but people can find it on on my Instagram, my Instagram is hello, R-O-X-S-A-R. Um, and my, you know, my website is Roxar, R-O-X-S-A-R. Um, they can also get it there. But yeah, I mean, uh, I, I, I really have been talking a lot about creativity lately because I think it's really, really important. Yeah. And one thing that you and I talked about before we recorded was how creativity has always been so a part of Latinida and our families. Like for me, like seeing my parents and I, I talked about this, like my parents have always been entrepreneurs to me. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, that's a big term right now. And of course, entrepreneurs look very different um, in, in the respect and whatever that they, they do and whatever that they're entrepreneurs in. But for me, my mom, you know, being a, before she met my dad, being a single mother to six kids in the United States, a place where she didn't know the language. She didn't know anyone except for my tias that were here. Um, she would be selling food, you know, in the park or in her house. She would throw these family parties and she would sell food there. She would sell Mary Kay and Avon and Princess House and et cetera, et cetera. And my dad, you know, he worked in construction his whole life. And then when he was here in the United States and then he started his own handyman business. Mm -hmm. so he can get clients so for me like they have always been entrepreneurs to me and they've had to use their creativity to hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You know, in a way, survive and and move forward and provide for their families and also just work hard. And that's, again, I, I think for me personally, and I know a lot of people that I know, a lot of other Latinos or 
immigrants or whoever, they know that like their families come from different places. And for me, yeah, entrepreneurship, creativity, that's just been so ingrained in, in our family. Isn't that amazing? And, you know, siempre resolvemos, right? Like, and I think we put it down, we say, we just, you know, we figure it out. Mm -hmm. Um, But that is a form of creativity. And, and, you know, and we have, our cultures are beautiful. Our cultures are diverse. We have beautiful art, beautiful colors and creative foods and how we um, create a lot. But the real creativity, like you're saying is, is, how we solve problems. We, we, mm-hmm. I, I just, a common thread, I don't want to say I've never met a Latino that isn't creative, but I will say that a common thread, I think that unites our cultures is this attitude that everything can be resolved. There's always a solution. And, and also one thing I love about being Latina and our people and our families is that there's always a sense of joy. Um, we go through a lot of hardships but there's all, we always find joy. And a lot of the times we have to be really creative to find it, but we find it. And, um, yeah, no, I mean, six kids, your mom is not forget creative. She's a superhero. She's a superhero. La verdad que sí. She came to the United States. I mean, my mom's story is something I'm like, I need to amplify her story because it's so powerful. (laughs) Yes, please do. Like a badass woman, like a badass Mm -hmm. Latina woman. But she was, she had five kids with her um, and she got them all visas and she was escaping a lot of hardship. She had Mm -hmm. an abusive ex-husband in in Honduras and, you know, he was an alcoholic. It was just a bad situation. And her creativity was to, I need to get out of the situation. I just need to start new with my kids. She was pregnant, eight months pregnant, and she had her kids with her, five kids. (laughs) And she vino to Estados Unidos. And she found my Diaz here in San Diego, California. And she, yeah, she figured it out. Lived in a one. And, you know, she always talks about that transition of in Honduras, she had her big house. She had her limpiado, you know, she had people to clean the house, um, para cocinar. Like she had every, she had everything, right? Quote, unquote, she had everything. But she wasn't happy. She was mm-hmm. in an abusive relationship. She was going through so much and she left all of that. She left all mm-hmm. of it to live in a one bedroom apartment with her kids. There is seven of us, but I technically have a brother. So my dad, my mom and my dad met here. Mi papá yeah. también en Honduras. And it's such a cute story. They like grew up and... So like, okay, there's Choloma and San Pedro Sula. They're right next to each other in Honduras and it's Costa Norte. So kind of close to um, the Caribbean, right? Um, So my mom was born in Choloma, but she was raised in San Pedro Sula. And my dad was born in San Pedro Sula and raised in Choloma. And in that crossing, they knew each other's families. And like my dad played soccer with my tios and he had met some of my tias um, at that time. And my mom never met my dad. Like they both never met each other, but they knew of each other. They know each other's families. And it was just so funny. They always tell that story. They're like, we were just meant to meet here in the United States. And yeah, they, so my dad, he, he had a a son in Honduras and then he went to San Diego because he wanted to start a new life. And same with my mom and they met. And my mom was like, I am not trying to have another relationship right now. (laughs) 
Like, you know, yeah, no, you don't know, you don't know, like I'm here with my kids. And he, my dad said that that's what he loved about her, that she was a different kind of woman for him. You know, someone that he wasn't used to. He's an amoro. Love it, love it. And it's, yeah, it's super cute. But we can, that's a whole separate story. We can have a, a whole conversation about that. But um, thank you. Thank you for sharing about creativity, entrepreneurship, and and for Latinas, for Latinos. I think it's just so important because, you know, like we, we talked about, it's so ingrained in, in our culture and who we are. I mean, I, I always say like, Latinos just know every, like DIY that's been like a Latino thing forever. (laughs) My parents always raised me that way. They're like, if you can't create it yourself, then we can go buy something, but try to make it yourself, you know, figure it out. Mm -hmm. And it's going back to that spirit of figuring it out and using your creativity to do that. But my favorite um, story, um, with creativity and, you know, first, okay. First, um, it is, it is, mad making, but I, I'm trying to look at it as an opportunity. I try to be positive and it's a work in progress, you know, for myself too. But when you think of creative geniuses, very rarely you hear of Latinos, right? Latinas mm-hmm. or Latinos, right? Our people. Um, mind you that the first novel was in Spanish. It's, it's, you know, not Latin America, but you know, before that I'm in Spain, but still, um, we still don't get credit for it, right? Like people are act mm-hmm. like, like la- Latino you know, creative geniuses very rarely are acknowledged to be um, Latinos when that is, as we were saying, part of our DNA. You know, mm-hmm. we, we resolvemos, you know, you put problems in front of us and we figure them out. But, you know, the story of uh, Flaming Hot Cheetos mm-hmm. and how, you know, it was, I love the story and I don't remember it completely, so I'm not going to try to recount it, but to talk about creative problem solving, you know, and, and he, 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 you know, he was, I think he was a janitor. I don't know if you know the story. I don't know the story. I love hot Cheetos. <laughs> oh my gosh. The Flaming Hot Cheetos, the president of, um, um, of Frito-Lay or PepsiCo. And I don't, I don't know at the time if it, Pepsi owned it or whatever, but you know, so I'm going to totally destroy this story. But basically he said, um, I want the company to be creative and, and giving everybody the ability to be creative. So anyways, so th- this guy who I believe was the janitor um, took a bag of un- unflavored, you know, um, Cheetos. They didn't have the, the, the thing. He took them home, you know, people could take them or whatever. And he put the spices. I'm not Mexican, mm-hmm. but I don't know the names of the spices, but he put the spices on them and they were delicious. So he made an appointment with the CEO because, again, sometimes it's good not to know that you're not supposed to be somewhere. And he made the appointment and Flaming Hot Cheetos were born. I mean, he's super famous. He's a big, you know, a big success story, but you have to dig for it. And I highly recommend that people look it up because I am probably getting all the facts wrong. But um, Mm. to me, I love that story because it is such uh, emblematic of how we, you know, the creativity and the potential for creativity that we still have. Never mind that we solve problems y que resolvemos because so much of our stories are tied to lack, right? Lack of finances mm-hmm. or opportunity or whatever. And we resolvemos. That's amazing. And that's huge. But also there's so much untapped potential because of what we bring to the table, because we don't come from zero. 
We really don't. We no. come from very rich cultures, very rich families, and and rich ancestors too. Rich ancestry, um, you know, um, a rich combination of cultures, um, and we are the ones as as immigrants, first, second generation, you know, immigrants ourselves, that are going that have that opportunity to make something out of that spark, right? All of that history that we bring with us, all of that can do. Um, tradition, right? Like we make it happen. I don't know how to fix plumbing, but until you have a plumero, we got to figure it out. You know, like, you know, we, we figure it out. <laughs> we figure it out. We do it. Se resuelve. Um, donde comen uno, comen tres. Right? Oh, we always sharing. And, and I just, I'm so inspired um, by our culture and all that that we bring and that we can add to the fabric and the richness of our current culture and our current country. Again, I don't want to dismiss how hard it is. It is hard. It's hard for me too. So it is hard and exhausting to always be new and to still not be accepted. But I always tell myself it's also an opportunity because I bring a whole world that so many don't know about. And that's an opportunity for me to create something completely new. And, and, I think we have to give ourselves and each other a lot of grace and space as we are figuring it out. I think that um, one thing that Latinas um, have to be conscious of is that we're all, we're trying our best and, Mm -hmm. you know, we're trying our best and we, uh, we just have to cheer each other on and not everything that you create is going to be a raging success, Mm -hmm. but um, you got to try. And I just want to encourage everyone, if you're listening to this, at the, the only thing to take away really is to, to use your history and your power and, and all the things, all the generations that you carry in with you. You're not just a zero. You're not a blank slate that showed up in this country with no history. You have a lot of history. It may not be in this country, but you come from history, as much history as anyone else. Mm-hmm. And that is your superpower, those unique experiences that you bring, the good and the bad, and what you do with them in this life that no one else is going to live. That is what you're going to create. And, you know, we can all make it a good one. No? I'm cheering you on. Go. I love that. I love, yes. And I love that you said about the history because my dad, he always told me, si no sabes de donde vienes, nunca sabrás donde vas. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's such a powerful statement that I always carry with me. And I just recently, I'll tell you this quick story. I recently watched Stand and Deliver, which was always one of my favorite movies. And I love the part where he's like, math is in your blood. And he explained like the Mayans, you know, like this is part of our. Oh my God, I forgot about that. Yes. Yes. But when he said that, I was like, oh my God, that's powerful. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even catch, I mean, obviously I've watched this movie so many times, but it wasn't until I've, I watched it recently where I'm like, I picked up on that one part and I was like, oh, it's so powerful. And we don't realize how rich our ancestry is, mm-hmm. how beautiful everything that we brought into this world that, yeah, we may not get credit for, but it's part of, like you said, it's, it's in, it's in our blood. It's part of who we are. So then <laughs> so like a funny story, you know, I don't know if it's funny, but um, eh, hmm, let's see, how did I say this? So, so um, when I, when I go to Europe, um, 
you know, in Europe, they have aristocrats and all that and aristocrats, mm-hmm. there's tons of fun. But um, <laughs> I was talking at a party to someone and they didn't mean this in a bad way, but I took it how I took it. And they said, oh, well, he comes or she comes from an old family, meaning an aristocratic family. And I said, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, but everyone comes from an old family. Like no one, no one, no one just appeared on this. <laughs> I come from an old family. Like I had, yeah. I had a mother, a grandmother, you know, parents, grandparents, great grandparents, mm-hmm. just like anybody else. You know, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not understanding. And this person got really frustrated with me, but it got me thinking. You know, and they're like, yes, but their family can be traced back, you know, paperwork through whatever, 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 you know, whatever. I was acting, I was also trying to exasperate this person because I'm like, oh, it's an aristocrat, big deal. You know, like whatever, it's a person, um, yeah. not a big deal. And that person was lovely, by the way. Um, and that, you know, it was the person that was going to introduce me that was a little bit kind of stuck on that. But it got me thinking and I'm like, you know, everyone on this planet comes from an old family, right? Our family trees are equally old because whether they are written down in some, you know, gold scroll and, you know, in the old country, whatever, or not, um, we all come from generations of generations of generations of generations and generations back. And I'm like, I, I deserve to be here as much as, as someone that has some title. I mean, it's ridiculous. So yeah, yeah, it's in our it's in our lifeblood. It's in part blood. of our heritage. Yes. So let's close with a brindis. Okay. And you have your water. I do my ice water. <laughs> but let's close with the brindis. And what I like doing with this is really allowing us to manifest some good for our our community, our Latino mm-hmm. Latina community. So. I'll give you I'll give you a chance to to tell us what we're going to cheers to but what do you want to manifest for our community? I want to manifest that we continue to grow in our powers that we continue to honor our ancestors and continue creating new worlds. Yes. Salud. Cheers to that. <laughs> Salud. Muchísimas gracias for tuning in to today's episode. For all those interested in joining We All Grow Latina, I highly recommend. There are tons of free resources, content, classes, and there's a powerful community. Plus, I recently joined a talk with Jaime Camille through one of their events, A Cherry on Top. Go find them and follow. Also, Roxana is giving away a free mini ebook on storytelling for entrepreneurs. Go to bit.ly slash sparkstory to access. I'll also share this link on all my social channels, so make sure you follow me. Remember to tune in next week for more cafecito and chisme and more hella Latino love. Follow me on Twitter at Odalis Jasmine, Instagram at Ojasmine with four A's, and find me on LinkedIn. Con mucho amor, familia Andreña.